0: Business podcast, where we dive into the lives and stories of small business owners from around the country to learn what's worked, what hasn't, and everything else in between. Our goal here is to share as much high quality business information as possible. And the best part is, it's all by business owners for business owners. Everything here is all about small business. We're here today with Nick Nelson, CEO of Open Box Creative, a visual and experiential media company with brands specializing in video production. Filmmaking and wedding production. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Thanks,
1: Nate. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. So, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do at Open Box Strategies and, uh, yeah, where that comes from?
1: Yeah. So, if you go to openboxcreative.com, like you mentioned, you'll see we have three different primary brands. Today, we're going to talk specifically about the marketing side of things. And so, that's Open Box Strategies. That was the name of the company when I started it just over seven years ago. And we were in the political space. We did political campaign websites and some video work and graphic design. And I think any entrepreneur can relate to having to adapt and evolve. And that's been a crazy journey. <laughs> but we, we've gotten to the point today where we've carved out a really interesting and fun niche in the, in the video production space. So at Open Box Strategies, we are a video production company. We work specifically, for the most part, with recruitment efforts. So that can mean a lot of things, but we we have a lot of success and we work well with managers tasked with recruitment of some form. A lot of times that means creating video in support of hiring. We've worked with a couple of dentist companies. They're always looking for good doctors and good hygienists. We've worked with summer camps who want to get people to visit their camp. We've worked with the alternative learning programs. So we, we've really, over time, found we have a really good knack and good relationship with people that are, are doing recruitment efforts and telling the stories that will get people to apply for a job or get more information or check something out. I'm sure you've had people on, your, on, on the show that have talked about how powerful video can be with conversion rates on websites. So There's a lot of ways that it fits in. So we work with people that really know that video is a part of what we want to do. Here's who we want to attract and why, and, and what story can we build around it? But, you know, sometimes we build a great relationship with the people we work with and they, you know, want something a little more marketing or something about a product video or the services that's a little more general. So we certainly do that, but a really good niche and, and where we've really had the most success and, and the most fun is, is video production in support of those recruitment efforts.
0: Yeah. Very cool. You are based in Milwaukee, correct? We
1: are in the fifth ward. We, we moved down here December of 2019, and it was kind of an exciting transition move. 2020 was ramping up to be a really big year, and we had a big grand opening early March 2020, and everyone can guess what happens next. Well, I think it was a week to the day after our big event. Friends and family, it was awesome. We're showing off this great new production space we had. I think a week after that, things skidded fast, but <laughs> things are getting back to normal slowly but surely. But it's a great area, it's a great space. You got the uh, Cream City Brick behind me, yeah. Uh, really cool, creative space with a lot of great companies.
0: Yeah, I live in Illinois now, but uh, Wisconsin is my home state, so I'm always always happy to talk with a fellow cheesehead or oh. whatever other terms people use for us. So
1: <laughs> I wear that name proudly, proudly that's right. cheesehead.
0: That's right, yeah. I know it's derogatorily used around here, but you got to be proud. So, that's anyways, right. that's cool though. It's interesting too, kind of the different arms of the company that you have. I know at the beginning I said open box strategies and open box creative. So it's kind of cool that you have all those kind of different pieces going on, but talking about the, the video production specifically, where do you kind of see that? I know you mentioned this a little bit already, but where do you kind of see that in the overall marketing strategy for a business? I know you mentioned it about, you know, hiring or finding new people to either come in both as employees or as customers, but yeah, how do you kind of see that fit into a marketing strategy?
1: It's going to be different for every company, but I think the point of it is in the name is that there should be, I'd start with by saying there should be a strategy behind it. Hmm. I talk to a lot of people, whether I'm prospecting or there's a lead comes in and they say, well, we know we want to do video and what are some of your ideas? And I mean, that's such an open-ended question. And it, it really depends on what do you, what is your goal? What do you want to achieve? And I think it can be satisfying to say, well, we're making videos, we're posting videos to social media. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, you don't have to hire a firm like ours to develop content in support of your goals, but really defining what do we want to accomplish and how can producing video help support that? Video on its own isn't going to do anything for you, just like a website on its own isn't going to do anything for you without getting traffic to it, whether it's paid or, or SEO, you know, and you can have a website and it can be designed horribly. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the same thing with video. It's part of a really elaborate and intricate mix. And so when the way video works into it, it really is taking a step back saying, what do we want to get done with this? And then putting yourself in the seat of the viewer. One of the questions we ask even, you know, before we will even sign an agreement is when someone watches this video, what do you want them to do? And nine times out of 10, people go, oh, I hadn't really thought about <laughs> that, which is fine, you know, because everyone's saying every blog you read says video is the big yeah. thing you got to be doing video. And it's really actually a good qualification step because I'll tell them, hey, maybe you're better off doing this in house or, or mm-hmm. going, going a different route because, you know, when we do it, we're going to do it right. We're going to have it look a certain way. So defining what that is in support of your goals is really the best first step that anyone can take. Otherwise, you're creating a lot of motion, but not really going anywhere or getting anything done.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I just watched one of your guys' videos actually before this call, and it was how to kind of raise or lower your costs in video production, kind of how to know, Mm. you know, what are our costs going to be? How do we kind of change that? I really appreciated that video because for myself as a business owner, if, if I were to ask someone to produce a video for me, I would have... Absolutely no idea about what what the budget would look like even. So yeah. it was interesting that you guys compared, you know, if you go to six locations for a one minute video each, it's going to be a very different cost than going to one location for a six minute video, right? Same amount of video, Man. but those different locations really change it. So I appreciated that. And kind of even that strategy side of, yeah, what are you actually trying to accomplish with this video? I'm sure you guys talk about, you know, obviously who the audience is. And like you said, what do you want them to do after this? Are they buying a product? Are they going to your website? And I think that's a difficult part with strategy and marketing in general, even if you get into things like social media ads, it's like, well, you're putting out an ad, but but what are people gonna do with that? Are they just gonna interact mm-hmm. with it? Are they gonna get into a sales funnel of some sorts? Right. So I really appreciate that strategy side. That's that's a good insight. Thank yeah. you.
1: I mean, I think that the video you mentioned sort of speaks to that and it makes me want to add to it is there's not always gonna be a direct. Call to action associated with it necessarily, but that doesn't mean you're not going to be strategic about it. We were looking around toward the end of last year, and you know, last year was goofy, obviously. <laughs> but we we said, you know, we're telling people video is good to help grow their business and it's good for their strategic goals, but we're not doing any of it for ourselves. And I think mm-hmm. anyone in the creative space, the agency space, can say they, they do great work for their clients, but they're awful at, at practicing what they preach. <laughs> and so we we really doubled down at the start of the year. And you know, every two weeks we put out something new. And if you check out our, our open box strategies Facebook page, you'll see a history from the start of the year. We've been consistent, we've got a great pipeline of work mm-hmm. of doing that. And you know, some of these are, you know, we, we, we want to help inform. When you watch that video, I'm, we're still kind of planting the seed. It's part of that, like I said, elaborate yep. marketing mix, that more involved puzzle that fits together, which can be as long, but we still identified, that's what we want the takeaway to be. Another part is we, we want people to like working with us. And we got introduced because your cousin's with Sean, who, who works on staff, and he's did some goofy acting in one of our, our videos. There was a, a little uh, a video about Sean that we put out last week. And part of it is to show, you know, look, you're, we're a fun team. You're going to like working with us. We're, we, we, mm-hmm. keep it, we keep it light. But that was a strategic part of it. We're,
0: yeah.
1: we're doing that as part of our brand. And so yeah. we, we, we sat down and defined that ahead of time. And and that was part of the the strategy and why we're doing it.
0: Yeah. And that's that's an interesting piece to bring up. I mean, I don't think I probably would have found your page, except that like you said, my cousin works for your company. So I saw yeah. it on social media and it was a it was a funny and humorous video. So I was like, Who are these guys? You know, if it was just yeah. kind of a mundane, all right, this is video, you gotta do it, put out content, I wouldn't have thought, you know, another second about it. So like you said, that kind of brand identity is really interesting because I think that does draw people to you when it's done correctly. And it's an interesting piece. And it's been fun to kind of watch a lot of that on your side of things. Good. Before we go on to you know, the entrepreneurship side, because I know you've been in business for a while here, and I definitely want to get into that. Any other insights on on video or advertising strategy in general? I know you know a lot there, but anything else you want to share there before we move on to kind of the entrepreneurship side?
1: It's going to be different for everyone. And I, I had a call a couple of weeks ago and some client was asking, what's new? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And my answer was kind of a disappointment and boring because I just, <laughs> I don't know enough about what you have going on. Yeah. And so don't fall into the trap of doing video, whatever that means for the sake of doing it, because it's not going to get you anywhere. Really defining the goal and working with a team that can help you achieve it with video is, is really the most important thing yeah. as, as mm-hmm. it relates.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's key. That sounds great. So yeah. So let's talk about the entrepreneurship side a little bit. You've been in business since, is it 2014 or 2013 or? We have two birthdays.
1: So there was, I I (laughs) was still working in a marketing role at another company and I incorporated the company in August of 2013. And then I went full-time at this in March of 2014. Okay. So on paper, it's, about six months apart. So on paper, okay. it's been seven and a half years. I got you, But man. then really when I've been at this and committed and took the plunge, it's been just over seven, I think, yeah. the end of March.
0: Well, either way, I mean, congrats. That's a that's a great amount Thank of time you. in business and kudos because that's a lot of work. I know we mentioned in the call before, we were talking about kind of managing a team and, and building a team and what that looks like. What insights do you have from, from that? Because I know in a lot of ways, that's one of the scariest moments for a lot of entrepreneurs is making that transition from, all right, it's me doing the work, I know what's going on, I know the yeah. clients, to bringing on a team of people who are going to trust, but then also knowing that your role is you know, really changing, right? So yeah, what right. what insights do you have into that and what that's looked like for you? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> it sure that's okay. is. There's sure a lot is. of ways
1: we could go to that. It's fun for me to take stock and really step back and see how far we've come in, in seven years and how much things have changed. My dirty secret is that I don't really know too much around a camera myself like i said when we started this we were in the political space i had done a lot of volunteering i did freelance work things evolved and and so we had these opportunities that we took with with video you know and and that that evolved and we we realized over time that we really had the most fun doing these video projects as part of larger strategies and so i i learned early on that i don't think it's something that the way my mind works i don't think i'm the best suited so i need to find people that can really help me build and, and, and refine this and so I'm kind of the opposite of a lot of entrepreneurs in that regard. Great book to read, The E-Myth. The author uses the allegory of the woman who likes to bake pies. And so she starts a bakery baking pies, but she becomes miserable. I've had almost the opposite problem since we shifted away from this political space where I, I, need, to, I need to find people that are specialized and know what they do. And knowing that you can trust them. But then, you know, I've had the challenge of learning how, how do you lead that team? How do you manage that team? But one of my philosophies, and I've, I've kind of always said is I'm hiring you because I trust you to get the job done. And I think and we're at an interesting place here coming out of the pandemic and where we are in our growth that I'm a, I'm a delegator to a fault. And there are times where there needs to be more structure. There needs to be a little more management without being a micromanager. And you know, there's a difference between micromanaging and oversight. And I'm still learning that in a really big way. As we continued to evolve before you started recording, I had mentioned for the, the wedding side of the business, I mean, we're going to do over 180 dates this year. That's a ton of moving pieces yeah. and wow. there's no way I can be personally involved in in all of it. There's just right. not when we have, you know, we do photography, videography, and DJ services. I mentioned, you know, Memorial day weekend. I think we have eight or nine weddings going on. <laughs> That's a ton of people. And so, you know, we've got really good structures, we've got really good systems, but a good structure or system for in the creative space like we are usually won't hold up more than a year or two because technology changes, staff Hmm. changes, people changes, all kinds of stuff. And so you're constantly adapting and blocking that fine line between how can I empower people without micromanaging them? How do they feel like they're trusted? But you know, how do they know there are safeguards in place in case something goes wrong? It's an all-over-the-place balancing act. The biggest thing is giving yourself permission to not get it right. I mean, that's the trade-off of mm. a business owner is you don't have a boss yeah. standing over your shoulder necessarily. And as long as you embrace, look, the buck stops with me, I can, I can eat it if something goes wrong. But knowing you can, you can screw something up, but you, you have to fix it and you have to not make that same mistake again. It's okay to make a mistake once, but I go nuts when the same mistake gets made multiple times. Sure. And and really working to provide the systems, provide the infrastructure, provide the resources so that my staff can do their job as well as they can is kind of the most important thing.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a great way to put it. It's, it's interesting what you said about kind of the opposite of the e-myth because yeah, most people I've talked to are kind of that technician and then they have to kind of transition to the role of delegating and man- managing. So it's interesting to hear kind of the opposite of that, but yeah maybe you'll have to write, you know, the opposite myth or, you know, come up <laughs> with a, a different book title there, but I'm just, I think encouraged by the fact that you've been in business for seven years now, have a, a sizable team and you're still kind mm-hmm. of dealing with those things. Cause I think that's helpful to hear as a business owner, knowing that it continues on and, and it's not figured out even as you go on. Yeah. That may not sound encouraging to listeners. But
1: <laughs> but yeah, let me, yeah. let me just clarify that too. Cause when I hear it back, it probably sounds scarier. I don't want a client to hear this and think it's absolute chaos in a circus. <laughs> no, it's no. not. My, my point is, is we're constantly reevaluating it. And I mean, we had a call at, at 10 where we were talking about our team and where they are with training and skill development. And that's just a, a process that's in place and the way we do that evolves. And so that, that goes back to that permission component to not get it right the first time mm-hmm. and you know let yourself play with it, build it and know that you're gonna constantly be improving your team. If we, if we were you know running a factory and we were making zippers or something, it would be a different story because that is a much more rigid yeah. system. But But when you're leading a team in that creative space, you're dealing with a lot of interesting people and personalities and that's going to be part of the job and you just have to embrace it and know that things are going to change, but it's so that you're delivering a great product, a great service, mm-hmm. and because your your people are your product when you're in that yeah. creative space.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. It sounds like you definitely are very far down the road. So it sounds like you guys are doing a great job. I just think it's helpful to kind of reiterate what you said, you know, that it's it's a constant process of changing and, and being flexible. And if you're not continuing to improve your processes and, and how you do things, you're going to be pretty stagnant, right? So that that's a good point for sure you know, kind of related to that in my mind is the question of company culture and in building a workplace culture. Obviously that's been different with COVID I'm sure, but what have yeah. you learned on that process and and how have you built a culture? That's another
1: thing that's constantly in flux. And it, it goes back to that foundation of trusting people to get the job done, but also providing the infrastructure to do it. I, I looking back I, a lot of the little stuff I, I miss that we didn't get to do over the last year. I mean, we kind of whether it was a happy hour once in a while or everyone go into an event once in a while, the the fun stuff, you know, with the team you're building, those softer events, those events that aren't like work required, I I think are important. I I think it's a small part of it. I know one of the most important components of culture is ensuring that people are heard. There's a big difference between being sure everyone has a voice and that people are heard and seen and giving them everything they want. But anytime something isn't going right. Anytime something feels off, it's because communication from leadership isn't as good as it could have been or should have been. I admit it. I'm one of the worst defenders of that. Just the, the way I delegate and the way I communicate, I often forget a lot of those details. Hmm. But taking the time, respect everybody's opinions and belief, not issuing edicts from on high, but, but hearing hmm. what they have to say, what they have to feel, I think is so important and culture will stem from that. Again, in a place like ours in the creative space with so many unique talents and personalities, the culture is gonna be representative of all those people and all those voices. And so finding ways to both informally and formally hear those is the most important part and has been the most important part of building, maintaining and evolving that cultural component. I mean, Mm -hmm. we'll never get it perfect and it will never be set, but, you know, we, we ebb and flow based on the the needs and wants of, of the people who who work here. It's important that they, that they feel valued.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. What, another one of those things that's always going to be changing. So yeah, that, that's, I think another, another good thing to remember for entrepreneurs is it's just a lot of flux. I'd say document a lot of what you're doing. I mean, especially with the processes, mm-hmm. but even with culture, I'm sure there's a lot of documentation that, that could occur hopefully there too. So one last question here, Nick, and I always like to ask this because I think this is one of the most interesting parts about entrepreneurship, but how do you kind of wear the different hats? I guess you have to wear as a business owner, you know, the different roles and kind of stepping in. All right, this time's this. Do you block out your time really specifically for different roles? Do you kind of just do it on different places as it comes up? How does that work for you? Because I know everybody kind of has a different approach.
1: We're we're in a unique spot with where we are coming out of this pandemic. And if you have a good answer for that, please tell me. <laughs> it is one of those things with culture, with everything else, it is constantly evolving. I've had to learn the hard way that, I mean, my day-to-day organizational skills, I'm always working to improve them. I have to write things down or I will forget it. And everyone knows that who works here. So we've got a, you know, a good combination of apps. You know, We use Airtable for a lot of stuff. I personally use Asana just for task management. Mm-hmm. Use a lot of my computer here. I've got a bunch of sticky notes. That's kind of my short-term reminder. And then I plot out how I'm going (laughs) to get it done on on Asana. I do have a spreadsheet I have that by day here in theory, in a perfect world, here's what my focuses are going to be. I was actually having a conversation too with with one of my colleagues yesterday where I go, you know, I I have bandwidth to get everything I need to do done, providing there's never a wrench thrown into the mix. but there's some kind of wrench thrown every day yeah. and that's just part of the job. Right. And so it's, it's being able to adapt to that. And then as part of the management, part of the leadership, part of the delegation is, you know, how, how can we restructure the process we have, how we do things without burdening somebody else, but how can we change our approach to how we're getting th- things done? I- I've learned that sometimes I get stuck in the way things are without, you know, taking a step back and saying, well, is there a better or more interesting or more efficient, or whatever way of doing things. And when you're in that grind it's it's hard to take that step back and take stock, but I really try to do that regularly is lay it all out and determine the best approach to it. So, I mean it, it really is constantly all over the place depending on what the challenge of the day is, but having that framework, you know, I decided there are software I'm going to commit to using. This is my intent for the day and all the things I want to get done. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you work, you know, I mean, obviously well past five o'clock, but you just kind of decide how much can I get done today once you deal with the surprises? Where does that leave you? You know, how do you prioritize? And I mean, that's the subject of 15 more podcasts, probably. <laughs> that's um, right. but for, for me, it's been giving myself permission to know I'm not getting it right and mm-hmm. and there will always be more to do tomorrow.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And I think that's that's a hard lesson to learn that you're pretty much always gonna have work left over in some some form, right? And just kind of knowing. What are the things that are our priorities? What are the things that are helpful to get done and which can wait? Because if you, if you try to literally just get your entire to-do list done all the time, you're just going to work endlessly in my view. So yeah. got to have some sort of work-life balance. Otherwise, yeah, the business isn't going to be a very happy place. So. <laughs> well, you're
1: working endlessly. And I, I always question, are you actually getting anything done? Right. Are, yeah. you, you, are you really being strategic or are you just mm-hmm. working, working in the business and not on it? So right. that's, that's probably one of the most important
0: approaches. E-myth right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. can Is there things you can delegate off that are, are causing a lot of your time unnecessarily? Are there tasks you're working on that only you can do or are they tasks that everyone can Man. do, right? So, or others can do. So always a good question to be asking yourself. Well, Nick, this has been excellent. Like you said, I'm sure we could have talked for more, more podcasts with all this great content, but thanks for sharing today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, we'll definitely put the the information for open box below the podcast. People can check out all the great stuff you guys are producing. Like I said, I'm not just saying this, their social media really is interesting and, and funny and, and has a lot of really good content. So check them out on, I was watching on LinkedIn. you mentioned you're on Facebook. Are you guys on Instagram and other places as well? Or? We, we,
1: we are. And, and actually that's another good thing to bring up, right? We're, we're not sure exactly what we want to do with it yet. So it's not a cop-out when we're saying, you know, we're not going to do it for the sake of doing, it. you know, you look at our other brands, our events brand is great on Instagram. The, the music video work we do under Falling Action, that, that is a, a little more robust presence, but we're still trying to identify, you know, is, how does that fit in? And we have plans in the works. I'm not sure what they are yet. <laughs> the big, the big ones would be LinkedIn
0: and, and Facebook for now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good to know. Well, cool. Well, I'll put the links below so they're easy to find as well, but yeah, Nick, thanks again for your time. Thanks Nate. And thanks, listeners, for joining us on the Navigating Business Podcast, and we will see you next time.